0: We have reached the all-star break in this just awful NBA season that we've experienced as Brooklyn net fans. It's the Brooklyn basketball podcast, Mike Biseglia. You can obviously check him out with the bad weather fans podcast, him and uh, Nick central got into a great fight this week in which Nick central proved that he's a complete ass. And you can hear me with Craig Carton Monday through Friday at two o'clock quickly before we delve into where this team stands. Let's just admit this, bro. Mm. If I told you before opening night, so here's the deal. We're going to be 31 and 28. (laughs) We're going to be two games under 500 at home. Kyrie Irving will still be a part-time player and James Harden will have been traded. And Oh, by the way, Kevin Durant has missed the last few weeks. We would look at each other and say, Oh my God, I can't imagine a worse script. I know it's so funny
1: too, because we were always talking about how, the regular season we you know we can't get too high we can't get too low it's going to be about what happens in the playoffs ultimately the nets will win games and i think that's how we saw the season start when they were like 20 and 8 or 21 and 8 or whatever it was and then yeah it's just been a rough couple of weeks now that we're getting like super duper excited when the nets win a home game versus the kings i mean that's the reality is that's where we we got to And now it's about what the hell is going to happen moving forward. And there's still so many unknowns. It's going to be – you could see this team legit losing early somehow or having some sort of catastrophic play-in disaster or making a run and and, and anything in between. And it's different than before where you just felt like if they were healthy – Here we go. Now it's, I don't know. I don't know what the hell to expect. Uh, A wide range of possibilities.
0: The the one thing I just can't expect, and this isn't me being negative. I think this is the reality is I just can't expect an NBA championship. You know, I, I understand that they have one of the best players in the world in Kevin Durant, but a hasn't played in a month. We don't know when he's going to come back. And now you're mixing new pieces together. And, And if you look at the history of the NBA, this isn't baseball where Hey, you had a guy on July 31st, and he's that final piece, and you win a championship. The core of this basketball team is completely different, and there's no sign that they're going to get a lot of time to play together before the postseason starts. It's sort of similar to last year uh, where we were questioning, hey, can this team win a title when they've barely played together? And obviously, that's not the reason they didn't win. They didn't win because they couldn't stay healthy. But in a similar vein, you know, there's only two months left in this season. There's only 23 games left in this season. How many times are we going to be able to see this team as a whole unit? That number may be zero. That may number be incredibly limited. And, you know, putting our net negatives aside, how can a team win an NBA championship against kind of battle-proven teams like Milwaukee, to a degree Miami, obviously Phoenix, forget that. How do you win when we're sitting here, you know, pretty close to the playoffs, with a core of players which, yes, on paper sounds great and feels like such a wonderful match, but they haven't played together.
1: Yeah, it is scary, and you, but it's like you think, oh, they had next year when they're all together and they got their arms, blah, 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 blah. But no, it's, it's in the moment of what's happening now, and I would even say uh, I'm optimistic and I'm excited because at least I feel now that this team has some sort of hope and that they did not have before with what James Harden and the Kyrie Irving situation with them together created. We all know what 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 just went down. At least now I feel like this team has some sort of hope, which I like, but but yeah, I mean it's it's not it's not a good feeling of the sense of like, oh, here we go, like we got a great chance. I would even say look at a team that's the exact opposite of the Nets in the sense of how they were struggling early and now they've come together late and they put a re- they had a bad loss the other night versus the Pistons. But the Celtics right now are one of the hottest teams in the NBA. They have continuity. They have good team chemistry. And they just go in and win games. Like, that's the kind of team where I could see the Nets just having all sorts of issues with because they don't know who's coming in and out. And we don't know who's the center. How does Andre Drummond mesh with Ben Simmons? Are they going to do LaMarcus Aldridge? Is uh, There's so many unknowns with them. And there's so much that has to get together that it's scary. I mean, let's be honest, Evan. The one reason we, we, we still have optimism and hope is because – Kevin Durant. I mean, that's the, that's it. Yes, like, if, yeah. because he's there, you can you can tell yourself, and it is possible. If he's there, anything can get done because he's that good. Yes, when yeah. he's and on I, the court.
0: And I think to a degree we have that not only because of his resume, but because of Game Five last year, where when mm-hmm. Kyrie goes down and James Harden's a shell of his former self when he tries to come back, and I'll I'll always have a positive thing to say about the quitter when it involves him coming back for game five, six, and seven, I'll rip him for everything else, but I can't be a complete hypocrite. I thought it was awesome that he at least attempted to come back in game five, six, and seven. That's before he was quitting on us, but Kevin Durant showed us, Hey, I can put basically a mediocre team on my back and almost carry you past the eventual NBA champions, which he did in game five, and almost did in game seven. And when you look at the roster that was around him at that point, it wasn't good. I mean, you can make a compelling argument. I think a good argument that the roster around him right now, once he's back, even not including Ben Simmons is better. I mean, just by having Seth Curry and Patty Mills, you figure those jump shots, Joe Harris couldn't hit that floater. Bruce Brown couldn't hit in game three actually go down. So you're right. When you have Kevin Durant on your team, there's this hope, but I, You know, everybody's trying to figure out, like, who won the Net Sixers trade, which I think, I think is just the stupidest thing ever. Um, in the short term for us, because F Philadelphia, I don't care about them. I don't think they're going to win a title. I'm not worried about them. I do expect that Harden's going to play well for a while, but the concerns we had about James Harden remain the same. He is still aging. That new contract is still going to look bad. A- and that's what I lead to. I think long-term, long-term, big picture, the Nets made a move that helps them, sort of extend their window in terms of competing for an NBA championship because of the uncertainty of James Harden and how he's going to age. Obviously the Durant factor remains the same. You know, he is now starting to become injury prone. Clearly the hamstring issue last year, the knee issue this year, as fluky as it was, they are injuries that have taken away a significant portion of the regular season. So I think long-term fit wise, age wise, depth wise, Yes, the Nets are in a better spot, in the two extra first-round picks, which could turn into a trade down the line that we don't see. But short-term, in terms of this year, in terms of this being the year we get to be drunk at a parade in Brooklyn, they've lessened their chances. Can we all agree on that? For, for a myriad of reasons, the chances of us winning an NBA championship this season, they're down after making a trade like this. I get they're deeper. I get the importance of Seth Curry, But again, you're trying to reimagine a team in the middle of a regular season. Long-term, yes, Ben Simmons is seven years younger than James Harden. Yes, long-term, he may fit better with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and the shooters they've surrounded him with. And yes, James Harden, we all knew, appears to have a new long-term contract that's going to age as badly as any contract we've ever seen. But in the short-term, in the now, in the are we going to win a title this year, I don't know how anyone could say we have a better chance. And I would completely agree with that point because
1: let's look at it. The Nets were 13 and three when they were all together at the height of it, when it worked, that was the best form of the Nets that we could have. Unfortunately, we just never really got to see it. We saw the game versus the bulls where the Nets turned it, turned it on and looked incredible, but we never got to see that. And this is what we're left with. And it's a good alternative compared to that. But unfortunately, yeah, we just never got to see Harden, Kyrie, and Durant. We never will, and that's the big unknown for us. And one other point I want to reference about last year with Durant and how you felt like when he was in there, the part that would scare me more about this year, even though, like we kind of just addressed, when the Nets now with this form of Curry, Drummond, they have maybe Patty Mills. They have more options to go around Kevin Durant if Kyrie Irving's not there. And Ben Simmons most likely will be there. The biggest problem, I think, for the Nets isn't that – it's that the East is so much better. The Bulls are a good team. The Celtics are better. The Sixers now have added James Harden, which will be a pain in the butt. The Heat are, <laughs> are are excelling. They're incredible right now. And then the Milwaukee Bucks are the defending champions. So unlike last year, where it was like, if we could just get past this, I think this year, because the East is so much better, that version of
0: Durant's still going to need all the pieces around him. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think the other problem is that we should not ignore, and I think the Nets are in a tough spot here. Uh, Kevin Durant... We don't know when he's coming back. Steve Nash really made it seem like it's unlikely that that Thursday night game coming out of the break against the Celtics, he won't play. And if Kevin Durant is 80 or 90%, you would probably lean towards, Hey, you got to be patient. You can't risk bringing him back too early and having him re-aggravate the injury. And I totally get that. Here's the problem. And I don't think any of us saw this coming. Doesn't there have to be a sense of urgency in terms of where they stand in the standings? Because Mm -hmm. right now, They're 31-28. and They are, I don't want to say entrenched in the 8th seed, but they're a couple of games behind getting out of this play-in tournament. And when you look at their schedule coming out of the All-Star break, unless they're healthy, unless Kevin Durant is out there, I got to tell you, I think they're going to lose every single game. They play the Boston Celtics at home. You just touched on them, how much better they look. They go to Milwaukee to take on the Bucs. The Bucs have had their way with the Nets so far this year. They go to Toronto to play the Raptors. Remember, no Kyrie in that game. They play the Heat at home. They play the Raptors at home. They go to Boston. They go to Charlotte. They go to Philadelphia. I mean, you look at that schedule coming out of the All-Star break, unless they're healthy, unless Kevin Durant is out there, unless the vaccine mandate changes for those home games, are they winning a lot of those games? I mean, there is a chance this team's going to drop below 500. And look, I think they're going to make the playoffs. I don't think they're going to drop to 11. But right now, I think it's very realistic that we're looking at a playing tournament. And can they win that game when they're healthy? Sure, but I think it's more realistic that they're in the playing tournament than they avoided entirely when you look at the health of this team. We don't know when Ben's coming back. We, As I said, we don't know about Kevin Durant. They're not a good team without those guys. I mean, look, they were getting blown out by the Knicks before the Knicks next. Let's be honest, yeah. they should have lost that game. So... <laughs> How do you feel and about
1: the, that and those raptor games are really important the two of them because they're the team that's you know two ahead of them for the seventh spot i mean the that's really just plummeted i mean you look that 11 game losing streak just put them in such a nasty position where they're seven games behind miami for the first spot and that obviously is now something you're not even thinking about you're just trying to think about creeping up i mean realistically if you're a Nets fan you just want to creep up to the six and get over there so you have to avoid the play-in game and then you play one of those teams in the first round whoever it might be that's having a much better season but Yeah. I mean, if Durant's not back and Simmons is this, they're not going to win some of those games. They'll start to get on a roll and they'll start to figure it out. And there will be wins in there because once Durant does come back, they're going to win basketball games and get Simmons on the court. Things will happen. They're going to get wins. So I don't see them like creeping below 500 or something in that area, but I could see them definitely in the play-in game. And I could also see them move up to the four spot. I mean or a five-six spot, just if they can get hot and figure it out. But a realistic realistically being in that playing game would be nasty. And of course, I mean, of course it would be the when of course they'll play the Raptors because then it doesn't even matter when Kyrie's on the road. Like you just you just know that's going to happen. Uh, it just you just know that's that's the story. Where all right, that's <laughs> the playing game. Oh, you wanted the road game. Oh, you wanted the road game, and then Kyrie Irving can't even play in the road game. And something I'm I'm sick of hearing is is people saying, "Oh, no one's going to want to face the Nets when they're the sixth seed, or no one's going to want to face the Nets when they're the seventh seed." It's like I can't believe that we're going to even get to that point in the year where it's like the Nets now have become the seven seed. No one wants to see. No, I, I just like, no, I don't want to see, I don't want to see a much better bulls team. Yes. Get better, get, get better. And that's I,
0: not like teams aren't going to be as scared as you think. I'm not a fan of changing expectations in the middle of a season. And at the beginning of this season, this was a championship favorite. This was a season we both looked at and said, they better win an NBA title. I don't want to morph now into we're the most dangerous seven seed in the history of basketball. Like, that wasn't the goal. The goal no. is to win. The goal is to be a contender to win an NBA championship. And you know, right now it's it's a dark time. I gotta be honest with you because the only way you can rationalize this team's going to go on a deep run is by using the word "if" fifteen times in a sentence. If Kyrie's eligible for all games, if Kevin Durant is healthy, if Ben Simmons meshes well, like there are so many ifs attached to this team. And I spent a lot of time talking about not just the ifs of the Nets, but the ifs of all New York teams on my Saturday show. It's my least favorite word in the vocabulary, because it seems like that's all we do. If, 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 if. And that's the Nets. Right now, it's one giant if. And, you know, you mentioned, hey, they're going to go on a roll. Well, unless Kevin Durant is playing, I can't say they're going to go on a roll. And Steve Nash, and I get it, they don't really tell us everything. So if he was going to play Thursday against the Celtics, I doubt he would have said, hey, guys, it's official. Kevin's playing against the Celtics on Thursday. But he didn't tell us he's playing against the Celtics, which means if he doesn't play against the Celtics on Thursday, there's a good chance he doesn't play against the Bucs on Saturday or play against the Raptors on Tuesday. And before you know it, we're in March. And it's, okay, when's he going to play? And I think it's very different than a year ago in which I believe the Nets were being super, super, super cautious with his hamstring because they could afford to they really can't afford to unless they don't deem being in the play-in tournament as a big deal. Maybe they look at it and say, who gives a crap as long as we're in that seven, eight matchup where all we need to do is win one game. We're good. We're confident, but it's, it's very difficult to be confident when you look at the status of the health, which may not change coming out of the break. And you look at their schedule. It's just, I don't know how people can be so confident. I hope we avoid Washington in the
1: play-in game. Oh, my goodness. I mean, They, <laughs> they, have, they have had their way with the Nets. And I'd love to know what the hell's uh, go, going to be going on with Joe Harris. Even if he's out for the year, just some clarity from peace of mind, I think, for everybody around the situation. Because we have no idea. And we think back to the ankle injury. And now the surgery. Doesn't need a second surgery. It's like, well what I'm just so curious, like what takes such a long time to make these kind of decisions? Is it just looking at a healing process? I'd be fascinated to know what is going on that is leading to such a long timeline to figure out what needs to happen as opposed to just making a decision, good or bad, good
0: or bad news, but a decision's being made. It's taking forever. My educated guess on this. And I I guess it's not an educated guess because I'm not a doctor. So my non-educated guess would be, Once he opts for surgery, he's done for the year, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're Joe Harris and you're the Brooklyn Nets, you want to give that ankle every opportunity to heal before you opt for the surgery. Because again, once you opt for the surgery, Mm -hmm. he's done for the year. So I think the longer that he doesn't get the surgery, some can spin that as a good thing. It's probably them just saying, let's just hope, 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 hope that the ankle reacts and that he can try to come back. I can't expect him to come back to be honest with you. And as much as I love Joe Harris back to me, the priority right now is, can I find a way to get the three superstars on the floor? Because with the addition of Seth and with Patty being on this team, they have enough shooting. Would it be great to add Joe Harris? Of course, but really it's about can Kevin Durant play coming out of the all-star break. And what's the plan with Ben Simmons? Cause what sort of concerns me about Ben and this would piss me off even though it's his money, not mine. Are they holding off playing him because of this pending lawsuit against the Sixers where he's going to try to get his money because he says, look, I had a mental health issue. You should pay me. And if that's the reason why he hasn't played yet, that pissed me off because Ben Simmons makes enough money. We're paying him enough money. Like I don't need him to sit out games because he's going to try to win some stupid thing against the Philadelphia 76ers. Cause to me, Ben Simmons has been working out for eight months. Okay, this hasn't been a physical issue. He's been out there warming up, preparing to eventually return to basketball activities on the floor. Why not play him? Like, why couldn't he be out there against the Wizards? I'm not saying for 35 minutes, but for 15 minutes, just to get him out there, to get him acclimated with his teammates. And the longer he doesn't play, the more concerned I am that it's not being done for any reasons that involve us, and it's actually just being done so that he has a better case against the 76ers to get paid.
1: Yeah, but the Nets do have this track record of the, you know, the ramp up period. And, and we saw it with Blake Griffin. We've seen it with a lot of guys where it just takes them time. And I think that's sort of their philosophy. I believe we'll see Ben Simmons. Hopefully I, I, I'm I'm optimistic that we'll see him right away out of the gate and get him out there because they have no other. They have no choice if he's ready and he said, I'm good. He's got to go out there. And if it's not the ramp up period they're looking for, I mean, it's a full week here with the all-star break. It'll be a couple weeks since the trade. Uh, if he's mentally ready to do it and he says he's good to go, he's got to be out there. There's, there cannot be a, this whole ramp up period. There, there's only 20 something games left. There's exactly. No, there's, no, there's nothing left to ramp. We're, <laughs> we're on. We're going down the roller coaster now. Like we're not going up it. We're going down it. We right. need to be there. And and he he has to be. There's, there's no way. I, I can't. I can't imagine the contract stuff and and the and things that were going on with mental health in Philly. Everything appears from the press conference to the practices, to sitting on the bench like he's ready to go. I mean he was not sitting on the bench in Philly. He's sitting on the bench in Brooklyn. I think his head's there. I think now it's just the understanding and they know this. There's no way that that the net staff is going, well, let's target a date on March 28th you know, eight days before the playoffs, and then the Nets are the 11th seed. They, They understand the urgency
0: of getting him out there and the impact hopefully he can bring to the court. Yeah, look, when they took their time last year, there were a few differences with Harden, Kyrie, and KD. First of all, they all had some semblance of experience playing together. Obviously, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant and James Harden, and even to a degree, Harden and Irving, because when the trade was first made, they actually played a bunch of games together. So there was a chemistry. There's no chemistry between Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving. There's no chemistry between Ben Simmons and Kevin Durant. So, I think A, you want to develop that chemistry. B, you need to win basketball games as we talked about. I mean, these games are different than a year ago. We're not talking about the difference between a 2 and a 3 seed where ah, it doesn't really matter. This matters. Being in a play-in tournament matters. I mean, it's a big freaking deal. I I also this would be nice. I don't expect it to happen. I would love if they could find a way and swoop in and sign Goran Dragic because, A, they really, really could use him. I mean, their point guard situation is an absolute mess when there's no Ben Simmons or Kyrie Irving. I mean, they're basically playing James Johnson as a point forward. It's just, it's the ugliest situation in the world. But I also can't imagine that when the Warriors are going after you, the Bucks are going after you, not, not the Lakers. I'm not afraid of them. The Mavericks are going after you. I just can't imagine that he's going to pick us. I mean, I could be wrong. I know there's a relationship that Sean Marks has with him that uh, guys on this team have with him, but that would be a nice little jolt for a veteran player to say, yeah, you guys are the eight seed, but I still believe in you. I'm going to pick you, and I hope he does because he better realize unless that mandate changes, he's going to get a crap load of playing time for this Nets team.
1: Yeah, they need a backup point guard. I mean, it's been it's been brutal what you said with the injuries and then... Kyrie not being there and not having stability at the point guard position when James Harden was out. I mean, it's it's rough watching J- James Johnson run the offense. Then we're seeing a little bit of you know Cam Thomas every so often bringing the ball up. I mean, it has just been excruciating. I can't imagine he would want to sign with the Nets. I think if you're a veteran player and you're in that spot, I would think, but I can't put myself in his shoes that he would want to go to a, a safer spot, a safer landing spot, more of a guaranteed place to win a championship, like in Milwaukee or like a Phoenix that's that's clearly leaps and bounds above where the Nets are. I can't imagine he would do that, but he would be such a nice fit. Somebody, and he was always one of those guys that, you know, like a, a net killer that always just seemed to never miss yes. the nets. He's yeah. on my list. Uh, he would be such a nice addition to have, but again, I, I doubt it, and this year is so different from the buyout market, from where the Nets are because of the trade they just made, because of all the rookies they have, um, you know, on this roster. It's not like last year where Blake was added, Lamarcus Aldridge was added. Uh, it's a very different, very different spot for the Nets this year he, than last year. And you, you made me laugh <laughs> just thinking about like, oh, we got to be the two that way we can get that home court in the second round because we're <laughs> gonna have to play the Bucks, and we, you know, if we were the one, we would have avoided them, and now it's just like, well, we. We might be playing the Hornets in a play-in game uh, <laughs>
0: to save our season. It's right. Terrible. I, I've been very, very negative today, so I will say one positive thing that I have thought about because you and I and anyone listening, we're Net fans forever. Right, we're, not, we're not here for a year or two. We're going to be Net fans forever. This season, as bad as it's been in terms of the here and now, in terms of winning an NBA championship, which, of course, is the ultimate goal, the their future looks so much better today then I think we would have thought about it six months ago because a, the rookies have been great. I mean, Cam Thomas looks like he can really be a special score, especially learning at the knee of Kevin Durant. Obviously we've seen positives from the others. De'Ron Sharp, who I don't think is going to play a lot now. Kessler Edwards, David Duke jr. Acquiring the two first round picks gives them leverage, not just to use those picks, but potentially for future deals down the road. And then obviously the excitement of, hey, what can Ben Simmons be? He's only 25 years old. So it's weird that even though our championship aspirations have taken a major hit in my book and sitting here where we are would have been a nightmare six months ago, and I stand by all that, the one positive I could take is when you look at the next four or five years, I think it's actually a brighter picture in terms of the youth that they have the picks that they have, and then obviously Ben Simmons being on this roster. Now, I think there's a major question about Kyrie's future because, look, here's the thing about Kyrie Irving, and we should address this because it involves this year and it involves the future. Number one, I don't know about you. I listened to our mayor last week talk about the vaccine mandate, Adam Silver talk about the vaccine mandate, and while they expressed frustration and bewilderment, I got no intention from them that they're changing it. So the mayor, Mayor Adams, can say it's unfair. You know, I'm going back and forth about it. But he also didn't say anything that would lead me to believe there's going to be an exception or a lifting of the mandates, especially when we had so many employees lose their job. I know it's a different mandate, but still. So I don't know about you. For the first time, my confidence level in that mandate being altered or changing is actually at an all time low, despite how good. The numbers are in terms of the virus going down your thoughts. Uh, I I wouldn't say it's at an all time low. I mean, I was disappointed in
1: hearing, uh, you know, that what you said before, we was kind of going back and forth and hoping he would make that change. I wouldn't say it's at an all time low, uh, but it isn't. I, I would say that, you know, uh, we're getting into this beginning of the fourth quarter with all of this stuff. I think it was easier when we were back in October and November to say things will be changing. When we're getting into March, when we're getting in, you know, with February, it'll be a different scenario. Uh, Because things are diff- diff- at a positive, that is good to hear. And the numbers are going down, which is, of course, beyond just basketball. Great to hear. This is one of those things to me that'll just happen on a dime and just like change when nobody's expecting it. And just like all of a sudden, you'll just hear this news. And, you know, from a political standpoint, here's a mayor who comes in and it's something that he did not institute so that he's going back and forth with what he needs to do. And he's playing politics in his head because he knows about all the people that didn't that lost their jobs and then thinking of the backlash that that could incur on him. know I would say if to put politics aside this wasn't something that he mandated or started right, if right, you right. feel like hey if you feel like that was you know a bad decision from the previous regime and yeah i apologize to all those people i know that sucks based on what he did but i think for the better in betterment of what we are as a community now this is the way the rules should be if that's his stance now if he agrees with what the the previous mayor wanted that's a different story but if he disagrees with it and he's like okay i'm ready to move on i think times have changed it's good i would just hope from from his sake and political sake and then saying yeah that
0: sucks and that was wrong but if it's better for us now let's make the shift well what's funny is one of the things we've bitched about rightfully so is the inconsistencies of it what if the mayor comes out and says you're right it's unfair that Kyrie can't play home games yet a visitor can come in and be unvaccinated." What if I close that loophole? Okay, Justin Holiday is not allowed to play as a visiting player. <laughs> right. It wouldn't, it wouldn't solve the issue at hand. But no. I've been thinking about this because I am a man of compromise uh, when it comes to anything, politics, sports. I try to find something that makes everybody happy. And for a while, there was this narrative out there that the Nets could just simply pay a fine and Kyrie Irving could play home games. And that wasn't true because the league said before the season, we will adhere to all local mandates. So I think the compromise in all of this that can get the mayor to not lose political points and I think would just make most people happy. And I I don't think a lot of people would be pissed about it is for Adam Silver to say, look, we will allow Kyrie Irving and the Nets to break the mandate as long as they pay the fine. And we support it because that's the reason why that wasn't allowed. And so the Nets pay the fine, which for them is peanuts. It's not a lot of money. And for anyone who I do feel bad about who lost their job because of these vaccine mandates, I don't know really if you can be angry because the mandate didn't change. They're paying a fine. You know, I don't know how many people who would pay a fine to go to work. Like for anyone who lost their job, they're not going to agree to a $10,000 fine so they could go to work and make less money. So it's simply, Hey, they make enough money to get away with it. But to me, that would be kind of the easy compromise where, I don't think that many people would be pissed off. So I don't know if we get to that. I don't know if Adam Silver's okay with it, um, but isn't that sort of the answer? He, yeah. Well, when he went out and he made that statement on
1: ESPN and he did say that he did open the door a little bit for that and for the nets in, in showing some of his cards and saying, Hey, this is what we think. This is what we think of what's going on with the mandate. And I think there's been a the national perspective that has changed Over the last couple of years, excuse me, last couple of months, where now the people are, are, you hear people saying like, oh, I don't agree with Kyrie on this. I don't agree with Kyrie on that. I don't agree with Kyrie on that. But... I do think this is unfair, and I think even non-Net fans and non-Kyrie fans have all gotten to that place as a community just seeing from the outside what is happening with him, and that is allowing, in my opinion, that Adam Silver felt a little more comfortable to come in and make that statement as before where it was kind of not something people would say. He's, he's, he noticed what was going on. He noticed that there was a change in belief with Kyrie and all of this stuff, so then he swoops in and says that, and I've, I actually just said that as well. I'm bad with the fans. I'm like – then just come in and pay the fines then. If you're if you don't if you have a problem with what they're doing, yeah, just go forward and do that. If we get to that point, and I you know, I would say Evan, behind the scenes, they're trying to figure out these scenarios. And I'm sure like the Nets are, I would think, 10 steps ahead. Well, if this doesn't happen and we get here and we get to the playoffs, like they have probably, I would, I would imagine, gotten to those stages where they have a plan laid out if that's something that's doable, if if there's no change. In and what, in what's been mandated, I would say, I think the Nets already have a plan in place for scenarios like that.
0: Yeah, and just keep in mind, if they play the Toronto Raptors, nothing's changing because that mandate up in Canada is not changing. So right. <laughs> if they have That's to a go different to, story. Yeah, completely different story. You just have to deal with that. And then, look, I don't want to spend too much time on this because I think we are going to spend a lot of time on this in a few months. I have no idea how the Kyrie Irving contract situation plays out because he has an opt out at the end of the year. He could opt out, test-free agency, not sure where he would go, not sure he has any intention of leaving. But then you have to ask a question on the other side. Do the Nets want to hand him a max contract? Because, yeah, the vaccine mandates may go away, but it is fair to worry, because I have this worry, and I'm certainly not anti-Kyrie. I think he's a brilliant basketball player, though he's you know, left a lot to be desired since he's come back. They haven't won a game when Kyrie Irving's been the one star on the floor, by the way. Keep that in mind, yeah. just, just to keep it in mind. Um, what do you do? Can you rely on him to play? Because if it's not the vaccine mandate, you almost are nervous that it'll be something else. So there are a few ways this can go. Kyrie Irving can opt into the last year of his contract, which is probably the best case scenario because then you don't have to do anything. He's back one more year left on his deal. Let's see what happens next year. If he opts out, I mean, what do you do? Are you offering him a max contract? Are you offering him less than a max are you negotiating a sign and trade? And if it is a sign-in trade, where would he want to go? And what can you get back? I don't know. I, re- I have no idea how this will play out and really what you should do because as a basketball player, I want him back. If you told me he's going to come out and play 70 games a year and I don't have to worry about him disappearing or there being something else that will cause Kyrie Irving to not want to play basketball. But it's tough. If it happens over and over again, and it seems like it does year after year, I don't know how much you can rely on him. And then you have to listen to Kevin because this is Kevin Durant's franchise, as it should be. Uh, He is a net. You know, he comes out and takes shots at the Knicks. He is a net. He loves Cam Thomas. He is a net. Kevin Durant is this franchise. And if Kevin says, bring Kyrie back, well, then I guess there's no debate. You're bringing Kyrie back.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think it really boils down to what does Kevin Durant think about all of this and what does he think for his championship window because he knows he's aging. He knows he's getting older. And as much as he loves Kyrie Irving, he knows what's happened this season. I would be fascinated to hear Kevin Durant's thoughts. And my guess is he would say, let's resign him. Let's keep going. That, w- that would be my gut reaction that, that Kevin Durant would say, this is my guy. I know things haven't been perfect so far, but I believe in him. I believe in us together. Let's, let's have him resign. But it is a wacky scenario because the, this guy has played in so few games as a net but has been so brilliant at times has been such a nice counterpiece when he's out there with the other stars he's such a perfect component when they were all together they need him to win a championship but at the same time all of this other crap's been going on <coughs> my gut reaction and my gut stance i would say bring him back as, as insane as that is and people would be saying what are you talking about how can you do that all this I don't think moving forward, all the stuff that we're dealing with now, I think that will all be gone in the future. So it'll just be back to, you know, to Kyrie Irving and and all the other narratives that have been out there. And I, and I think with him and Durant moving forward and all this other kind of pandemic-y crap behind us, uh, I, w- I would take the leap of faith and do it. You
0: know, a sign of us really maturing, you and I? I don't know if you realize this. I don't. We have recorded this podcast today, I guess maybe a half hour, a little more than a half hour, 40 minutes. We have barely mentioned, if at all, coming back from 28 down at Madison Square Garden against the Mm -hmm. New York Knicks and to a degree taking over their building. We haven't discussed that, which I guess shows you where that is on our totem pole. It just doesn't matter that much, I guess is really what it comes down to. Yeah, I mean, I would just
1: think, I mean, it, it comes to the point now where you'll look at the schedule and go, good, the Knicks are there because it's like a possible win. And it's that's that's more to say against the Knicks. It's just that they're they're terrible. I mean, they are they are terrible. Yeah, and it that was. That team is, that, it,
0: team is we, that is a weird team. It, it's weird because I've always been honest that Knicks-Nets, you know, it's, it's a big deal for us because we've grown up in the Knicks' shadows and God forbid we lose a game to them, we'll never hear the end of it. I went into that game at the garden, a game I went to uh, with less pressure. It was more the pressures of just they need a victory. You know, the opponent didn't matter as much. And when they were getting their ass kicked and they were down by 28, and I was there with my dad and we're looking at each other saying, oh, my God, the Knicks can't miss a shot. Nets can't make a shot. This is a disaster. It was more, boy, this sucks. We're going to lose again. We can't even put together a win streak. And Mm -hmm. I do have to give credit to your partner on the, a uh, bad weather fans podcast he's right about something and i was there to acknowledge it even up 28 that place was dead you know nick weird. fans were just they're beaten down like i didn't buy his reasoning his reasoning was it was just valentine's day it's a yeah. monday or a tuesday that that's not what it was i think his other point was right they're beaten down like they weren't taking that much joy in beating up on the nets and and look kevin durant not playing probably is a big factor too so it was weird and i was even making the comment to my dad like it's not adding insult to injury because the Knicks fan isn't even going nuts. Like it's just, mm-hmm. "Oh yeah, we're up by 28 and and maybe a part of them expected to blow it." Now, did I enjoy the comeback? Of course. Especially because we're not used to Net fans being as loud as they were at Madison Square Garden. I've never heard that before. And I've been to many Nets Knicks games. So that was a major major piece of progress for us as Net fans to experience that. I've experienced it with the Mets. I have never experienced that with the Nets, where we were able to make as much noise at Madison Square Garden as we did. And that was really cool. I admit that. But it was more the sense of relief that we were able to steal a victory because everyone matters. And then you saw what happened the next night in Brooklyn against the Washington Wizards where the two game winning streak ended. So it really became more. We just got to find ways to win uh, than anything else. Yeah,
1: I'll be on the record and say I love going into Madison Square Garden and winning there and hearing net fans make noise. And however we got to that point, I don't really care how the sausage is made, but it was made and we heard it. You know, you always talk about like Jet Games, for example, when Cowboy fans would be there or when Steeler fans would be there. And you would hear like this takeover and it's all, well, it's because the Jets suck. Nobody cares. They're They're indifferent. And I'm not saying the Nets have the fan bases like that, but that's what happens. That's ha- what leads to these things. And it felt good. Yeah, your your franchise right now is in a bad place. Net fans came in. It's an easy <laughs> commute because it's right down the street. And for many people, it's probably even easier than going to Brooklyn or whatever. <laughs> yes, yes. So yeah, That's that's what led to it. And it was awesome to see Cam Thomas go in and just have an electric fourth quarter, score 16 points, have the dagger three to put them go up six points with 5.7 on the clock or whatever it was. That was really sweet. And it was... It was nice to get wins because we're having a conversation here with a thirty-one and twenty-eight. Like if they were, I don't, I don't know, do the math real fast, but like twenty-nine and thirty or whatever, because they didn't get those wins. I mean, it would be complete panic mode that they were not now. Now they're not the eight seed, but they're a half game up on the eleven.
0: Yes, yes. As bad as the seven-eight playing game is, remember you've got two cracks to make the playoffs, right? If you win the first game, boom, you're in. If you lose the first game, you get a second crack. Once you fall down another slot, you only get, I mean, you basically, it's the opposite. You got to win twice. You lose the first one, you're out. And just to keep you posted on this, and this is what's so scary, they are as close to dropping down to nine loss column wise as they are to jumping up to even seven. So Mm -hmm. it's scary. I mean, the Charlotte Hornets are 29 and 31, and they've lost three games in a row. And they're only two and a half games behind the Nets three in the loss column. And then Atlanta in a weird way is even closer because they've got 30 losses. They're only two way in the loss column. And if you want to get even crazier, the Washington wizards are only three games back. That's the 11 spot that's missing the playoffs entirely. So uh, step one is just to avoid falling down to nine, 10, at least if you're in seven, eight, as you know, nervous as we'll be, you know, you get two cracks to get into the postseason. And look, Seating-wise, the top of the East is so topsy-turvy, you have no idea what the matchups are going to be. So, like, for example, right now in this 7-8 matchup, if they got through the play-in tournament, they'd be matched up against the Chicago Bulls in the first round of the playoffs. I'm, I'm not saying we kill them, but would I rather face Chicago than Miami? Yes. Would I rather face Chicago than Milwaukee? Yes. But everybody is so tight right now, that whether they're the seven seed, the six seed, or the five seed, no one knows who they're going to face and what that bracket's going to look like. So it's possible that they end up in a playing tournament but actually end up in a favorable side of the bracket where, let's say, they avoid Milwaukee and Miami until a potential conference final. So right now, if you're playing at home, they're actually, in my opinion, on a favorable side of the bracket. I'll tell you exactly why. Season ends today. It doesn't. But season ends today, they play Toronto. If they win that game, they play the Chicago Bulls. Then they would face, if they advanced, the winner of Philadelphia-Boston. So you're avoiding Milwaukee, Miami, because they're on the other side of the bracket until a potential conference final. So who the hell knows what this thing's going to play out and look like? And the only good part
1: about, one well, now that I'm, you know, scoreboard watching different teams that I was initially scoreboard watching before be like Milwaukee, Philly. Now, when you're scoreboard watching Washington, Charlotte, they lose more, which is kind of nice. <laughs> like yes. when you're scoreboard watching the other games, it's like they always win. Now there's actually some L's in there and it's just, it's just wild, man. Like, uh, I think at this point you can't pick who you're going to play. I mean, obviously, we'll when we get to that point. Hopefully, we're in scenarios where we're finding the team that we think is the most favorable matchup. My would be, mine would be let me just avoid Milwaukee at all costs. But I have just Don't you just have this weird feeling that it's going to be net Sixers in the first round? Like it just it almost just seems meant to be that those two will
0: will meet up and connect. Well, I know the league's going to want that. <laughs> yes, yes, they would very much. And and by the way, if that's what happens, that would be the quitters return to Brooklyn because the Nets and Sixers only play one more time and it's in Philadelphia. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if they played in the playoffs, that would be his return to Brooklyn. And I said this on the air, my dream. I don't know if this dream could be accomplished. I would love for the Brooklyn Brigade to start a chant that sounds like this at Mr. Harden. Here it is. You ready? Go for it. Dribble, 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 quit, quit, quit dribble 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 Quit, quit, quit. that's my dream hey
1: get it out there tweet it at them i'm sure they're listening <laughs> let them know i would love to i would love to hear it and man i mean i i can never imagine a scenario where one guy goes to one arena gets booed the other guy goes to the other arena gets booed that were trade for each other um and that would that would be some intense stuff and that would be uh i you know the blossoming of a serious rivalry between Brooklyn and Philly, which which kind of started a few years ago when the teams played each other, when we were uh,
0: uh, when we were hating on Ben Simmons. Yes, <laughs> of course. I mean that's sports, baby. You hate on. Mm-hmm. We used to hate on Max Scherzer for a decade. I mean now he's one of the great pitchers of the New York Mets. I mean that's sports right there. Yeah, and uh, I always thought the gu- the guys that you hate the most
1: are the ones in a different scenario, like Sixers fans dissing on Ben Simmons. But the guys that you
0: dislike the most. It's because you just wish they were on your team and you know that you would love them. Oh, no doubt about it. And let's hope we love Ben Simmons. You can check out Mike Baseglia at Mike Delivers Pod on Twitter. And of course, a great podcast he does with a Nick fan who sometimes makes good points, but most of the time has his head up his ass at Nick Central, the Bad Weather Fans podcast. Craig and I, Monday through Friday, two o'clock on the fan. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Brooklyn Basketball Podcast.